Hi, listeners, and welcome to the True Crime Weekly Podcast, a podcast that is based in San Diego and hosted by me, Alina Trujillo, and my producer, Jose Fernandez. This is a podcast where I will be bringing you stories of murders, infamous cases, and unsolved mysteries. On May 14, 2008, 19-year-old Brandon Swanson had been out celebrating the end of spring semester with friends, but no one knew that that would be the last time that anyone would see Brandon Swanson again. This is the story of the disappearance of Brandon Swanson. Brandon Swanson was born and raised in Marshall, Minnesota, and had graduated from high school in 2007. After graduating high school, Brandon chose to study wind turbines for a year at the Minnesota West Community and Technical College in Canby, Minnesota, which I don't know if you know what a wind turbine is, Jose, but I had to look it up because I didn't know what it was. Yeah, one of those big fans, right, that you see out in the middle of nowhere? Yes. So a wind turbine is a device that converts the wind's kinetic energy into electrical energy. So it turns out that a wind turbine is those, how you said, those giant looking fan things that you see when you drive from San Diego to Arizona. Or anywhere in the United States, probably, right? Probably. That's the only time <laughs> i very specific. It. Very specific. That's the only time. I'm trying to like explain it to you, Jose. I didn't think you <laughs> knew what it was. So then, but then I went into like a rabbit hole because then once I found out what it was, then I was like, wait a minute. So Brandon went to school for this. Like, I didn't know that people can like, what, you know? So <laughs> then afterwards, I had to look it up. And just out of curiosity, I looked up what someone would study for that kind of stuff. Right. And I learned that you can do a college course, which can help you get a training job with a wind turbine engineering company. So the courses include level three, which would be a certificate in mechanical or electrical engineering. Level three would be diploma in maintenance engineering technology. And I'm just saying this as an FYI to you, Jose, in case you would like to change careers. What? No, I'm just... What are you trying to say? Change careers, Jose. So on May 14th, 2008, Brandon was out celebrating with friends, having a few drinks, but... Brandon ended up leaving his friend's house at around 10.30 or 11 o'clock at night to go celebrate with another group of friends. The first celebration that Brandon was at was near Lynn. Then when Brandon left that celebration, he drove to the second celebration, which was in Canby. And again, for me and you, born and raised in California. So obviously I had to look it up because I'm like, I've never been to Minnesota. I don't know where these places are. So I Googled it and apparently to get from Lynn to Canby, Google Maps said it was about a 39 minute drive. So I don't know how accurate that is. I just want to throw that out there and give you that, you know, that distance. Like that's how long it took for him to drive. So if it's right, thank you, Google Maps. If it's not, be mad at Google Maps, not me. Okay, so he drove 39 minutes to go to another party it Mm -hmm. doesn't make any sense why so it said that brandon left the first party because at the same time as that party was going on there was another party with another group of friends that were also out celebrating and having like a goodbye party for another classmate so brandon wanted to be able to celebrate with his friends you know the end of the semester yeah but he also wanted to say goodbye to that classmate so that's why he had attended the first party that was near Lynn and then decided to make that 39 minute drive to Canby to be with his other friends and obviously say goodbye to that classmate that was leaving. 
Question. Mm -hmm. So when Brandon left the first party Mm -hmm. to attend the second party, do we know if he was drinking or intoxicated or anything like that? No. So friends from the Lynn party have stated that Brandon didn't seem intoxicated when he left the party. So Brandon left the party shortly after midnight to go home. And friends from the Canby party, so the second party, have stated that while attending that party, Brandon ended up taking a shot of whiskey, but that he didn't seem intoxicated when he left the party to go back home. So both the parties, two different sets of friends, and they both said that Brandon didn't look intoxicated after he left either party. Okay. So Brandon left in Marshall. So once again... I googled how long of a drive it would be from Canby to Marshall, and it seems like it would be about a 49-minute drive. Man, this guy's driving, like, all night long. Right? Like, he's driving everywhere. That's what I thought, too. Again, I just wanted to give you that sense, because when I was doing my research, I was like, man, like, 39-minute, and then a 49-minute drive home, like... Yeah, I'd be like, "Uh, you know what? I think I'll pass. But, you know, they're young. (laughs) They're not old like you. So... (laughs) I read in an article while I was... Fun fact. (laughs) Guess who's older? Yeah, that's right. Your host, Alina, is older than Jose. True statement. No. So, I read in an article while I was doing my research that Brandon had taken Highway 68, which was a direct route from Canby to Marshall, with an approximate 30-minute drive time. So, it seems like he took a shorter route the second time around? Why wouldn't you do that the first time? Like, why take, isn't it like uh, 49 minutes or something? Mm-hmm. And now it's 30? Well, it seems like Brandon chose to turn off Highway 68 and take a gravel back road home. So this is, once again, one of the mysteries in this story as to why he chose to take this back gravel road. There's a lot to the story, okay? Okay. But Brandon ended up getting his car stuck in a ditch along the gravel road. He attempted to call his friends for help, but he wasn't successful at reaching any of his friends. So at around 1.54 a.m., Brandon called his parents, Brian and Annette Swanson. Brandon told his parents that he got his car stuck in a ditch, but that he wasn't hurt and that he just needed them to come pick him up. Unsure of his exact location, Brandon told his parents he was between Marshall and Lynn, but he thought he was near a small town in Lyon. Brian and Annette left to go get Brandon. However, when they arrived at the location that Brian gave them, his parents weren't able to find Brandon or his car. Really? That was fantastic, Jose. You want to know what I just did? What'd you do? I just tried. I opened up, and you don't get any. I opened up the new wine that I received from Wine of the Month Club. So do you, Jose, want to treat yourself or someone special to great wines month after month? I would love to. Well, now you can with Wine of the Month Club. With Wine of the Month Club, you get three different bottles of rare international wine every month. You get to choose from all red, all white, or mixed. You can also choose to do a package every two months or three months if that's a better option for you. And every package ships with their monthly newsletter covering your selections and our listener favorites. Fun facts! 
We are a proud affiliate, which means if you go to truecrimeweeklypodcast.com forward slash support the show and click on the Wine of the Club Month link and sign up, we will earn a commission. You can support the show and get wine delivered to your door by using promo code HOLIDAY15 to get $15 off any four-month club, or you can use promo code HOLIDAY20 for $20 off any six-month club, which sounds like a win-win to me. You get to stay home during this COVID-19 pandemic, quarantine by yourself, and your wines. And they ship free. What? Hey, Jose. So you know that during this pandemic, it could even be scary to go to the grocery store sometimes? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you can save yourself that trip using Instacart. Instacart delivers groceries in as fast as one hour. Instacart highlights deals to help you save money. They find everything you usually buy. You can get smart suggestions for new items. They even pick the freshest produce and they keep your eggs safe too. We are a proud affiliate of Instacart. So head over to truecrimeweeklypodcast.com forward slash support the show and click their link. The road was dark and the area was remote. Annette called Brandon on his cell phone, and they both agreed to flash their lights to let each other know that they were in the area. On the phone, Annette could hear Brandon flashing his car lights and told him, We're flashing our lights, we're flashing our lights. Brandon replied, Don't you see me? But Brian and Annette never saw Brandon. That's so weird. Yeah, it is weird. Brian and Annette never saw Brandon, but Brandon never saw his parents either. So frustrated that he couldn't see his parents and that his parents couldn't see him, Brandon hung up on Annette. And Annette quickly calls Brandon back. And when Brandon answers the phone, they both apologize to each other for getting frustrated with one another. (laughs) Which, let me just say, that if I would have hung up on my mom, she would have not had to call me back. They would have just got back home. (laughs) Well, my mom would have not had to call me back. Hmm. You know, I would have been the one that... I actually probably wouldn't even have called my mom back. I would have just called my dad back and told my dad, hey, my mom hung up on me and I can just hear it now. My dad would be like, well, your mom said you hung up on her. So I don't know. And then like, I'll be like, dad, no, she hung up on me. And then he'd probably be like, well, I'm driving, you know, and he'd be like, here, talk to your mom. And he'd pass the phone <laughs> to my mom and be like, you're not getting any Long Island iced teas. I swear to oh, God. Okay. <laughs> His drink of choice. <laughs> right. So once Brandon and Annette apologized to each other, Brandon said he would leave the car and walk towards Lynn. Annette and Brian agreed to meet Brandon at the Lynn Tavern parking lot. So while Brandon is walking to Lynn Tavern, he stays on the phone with his parents. And while talking to them, Brandon described seeing lights in the distance. And he told his parents that he was going to cut through fields so that it could be quicker. As Brandon continued to walk down the gravel road, Brandon described hearing rushing water and saw two fence lines. And while continuing to talk to his parents, the call lasted about 47 minutes. Wow. When suddenly, Brandon yells, Oh, shit. And the call disconnected. Brandon's father, Brian, said that it sounded like Brandon had slipped and fell. His parents tried to call him back numerous times, but the phone rang each time until the following day when the calls went straight to voicemail. And that would be the last time that his parents would ever talk to Brandon again. What you got there, Jose? I just opened an ice cold beer from Beer of the Month Club. 
Treat yourself or someone special to great beers month after month by joining the Craft Beer of the Month Club. Each monthly shipment contains a 12-pack with four different types of rare craft beer, hand-selected from small American craft breweries. We are a proud affiliate, which means if you go to truecrimeweeklypodcast.com forward slash support the show, click on the Craft Beer of the Month Club link and sign up, we will earn commission. Stay home and keep cool with an ice cold beer. Cheers, Jose. So on May 14th, 2008, at 6.30 a.m., after Brian and Annette are not able to get a hold of Brandon again, they had to make the worst phone call that no parent would ever want to make. They had to call police to report Brandon missing. But just like many other missing cases that, you know, Jose, we've covered on the podcast, police officers tell the Swansons that... Let me guess, let me guess, let me guess. It's not uncommon for uh, probably, what, early 20s? Mm-hmm. To go missing and not come back home. Exactly. So they told the Swansons that it's not uncommon for a 19-year-old male to go missing for a bit. So police officers told Brian and Annette to wait to see if Brandon showed up. But later that day, cell phone records showed Brandon was near Porter, Minnesota, not Lynn, when he called his parents. All right, Google Maps, how far is that? So, okay, so Porter is 25 miles away from where Brandon said he was. Oh, wow, that's a big distance. Yeah, so Porter sits between Canby and Marshall along Highway 68. A search began for Brandon at around 12.30 p.m. Brandon's Chevrolet Lumina sedan was found about a mile and a half north of Taunton, right on the border between Yellow Medicine, Lincoln, and Lyon counties. Brandon's Chevrolet Lumina showed up no physical damage to the car or evidence of a bodily injury. But it was still stuck, right? Lincoln County Sheriff's Jack Visecki told CNN it was off the side of a field approach and the vehicle was hung up. It's sort of a sharp incline, nothing major, but enough that the car would get hung up so the wheels are too high off the ground to get any traction. In the months following Brandon's disappearance, law enforcement, volunteers, and emergency personnel searched the area by ground, horseback, and all-terrain vehicles to search all three counties in the vicinity of where Brandon disappeared and the Yellow Medicine River. So authorities believed Brandon may have fallen into the river and drowned, but cadaver dogs followed Brandon's scent to the river's edge but didn't signal anything and they continued walking on, which suggested to authorities that Brandon may have fallen into the water but managed to get out and continued walking. Hmm, However, yeah. However, the temperature that evening was around 39 degrees, and he could have succumbed to hyperthermia. Cadaver dogs picked up the scent of human remains during several searches in the area of Porter near Mud Creek, but a body was never found. Police do not have any evidence of foul play and believe Brandon's body would be found within 122 square miles search area. Brandon, yeah, that's pretty big. Right? <laughs> yeah. Be, and that's the hard part about this case is that the location that he gave versus cell phone records from when he called his parents, yeah. the, the tower that it pinged off of, it was at a complete different location. So that's why the search was so big 
it was so broad because they were like, well, we don't know if he said he was here. What direction did he go to? How how fast was he traveling? Like, you know, yeah. obviously he's walking. He's not driving. But, you know, they don't know. Yeah, that's true. And, and you know, it's kind of hard to say. It's, it did sound like he wasn't 100% sure where he was at also. Right. But obviously they found the car. So he had to be close to the car. Right. So, I don't know. It's It seems really odd. Yeah. So, Brandon Swanson was last seen wearing baggy jeans, a blue striped polo shirt, a black hooded sweatshirt, a white twins baseball cap, wire rim glasses, and sterling silver chain necklace. And anyone with information leading to the whereabouts of Brandon Swanson is asked to contact the Lincoln County Sheriff's Department. That's just shocking. I'm kind of, you know, you're telling me the story and I was not expecting for this guy to not be found. No, the case is still open. Yeah, the case is still open. It literally makes no sense. How could they not find his body? No, they haven't. There is one good thing that came out of this case. On May 7, 2009, Brandon's law was signed by Minnesota's governor, Tim Pawlenty. Brandon's law requires law enforcement to take a missing persons report without delay after notification of someone missing under dangerous circumstances. No matter the missing person's age, it also requires them to immediately conduct a preliminary investigation to determine if the person is missing and whether the person is endangered and promptly notify all other law enforcement agencies of the situation. It clarifies that the agency taking the report is the lead agency in the investigation. So this is all good because remember when the Swansons try to say that their son was missing yeah they they were like oh this is normal which is crazy to me because they were on the phone with him for 47 minutes yeah that's not normal for them to report i'm sure they told police no 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 it's not like we woke up and he never came home we were on the phone and the last thing we heard our son say is oh shit so for them say oh that's normal how is that normal he was stuck and it was 39 degrees outside there's a river nearby. He said that there was a river nearby. Yes. What if he would have fallen in there? It would have been freezing, right? right? I mean, yeah. yeah, that should have been taken seriously. It, exactly. So, like I said, if there's one good thing that came out of this is Brandon's law. And it's so sad to say, but on May 14, 2008, Brian and Annette Swanson had turned on the porch light for when Brandon got home. So he wouldn't have a problem opening the door. And the porch light remains turned on every night for Brandon. Brandon's parents know that they will not find their son alive, but they are looking for him in hopes that one day they will at least be able to find Brandon's remains. Hi listeners, and welcome to the True Crime Weekly Podcast, The Dark Side. So I was doing my research for our haunted segment of the podcast. When I came across a story I have never heard before, Jose, and because it's currently fire season here in California, I thought this was the perfect story for this week. This is the story of the Char Man. Have you heard of it? No, I never heard of this. You Okay. Never heard of the Char Man. So, I read about the Char Man in an article named Backpacker's Verse. The story goes that in 1948, there had been a big fire in Ojai, California. The fire had burned a large portion of the valley, and due to the isolation of Ojai and the limitations of times, 
Some families had to wait for days for authorities to come offer aid and assistance. In the hills of the south of Ohio, there was an isolated cabin. A man lived there with his son, and they mostly kept to themselves. And that's probably why perhaps the people of Ohio forgot about them. But that would be a big mistake. The cabin was directly in the path of the fire. Their house consumed by flames. The father was burned to death. The son survived, but barely. He was practically unrecognizable as a human being. A smoking wreck of a man burned all over. And it's amazing he lived. He did survive through the pain, which must have been unimaginable. As sometimes happens in such terrible circumstances, his mind just snapped. Nobody knows quite what happened. When the police and firemen arrived days after the fire, they found a gruesome scene. The father had been skinned, his skin removed from his body, just peeled like he was a piece of fruit. The man's body was hanging from a nearby tree, and he was quite dead. Drying their guns, the police immediately fanned out to search for the predator. It didn't take long before they heard a unhuman labored wheezing from a nearby brush that had escaped the flames. The officers searched the brush when suddenly something bolted out. It was the sun. A mass of charred flesh somehow impossibly still able to move. Gagging from the smell, the police officers lost their conviction and the son escaped. He ran into the hills and that was the last time anyone saw him up close. People say that the Charman is still in Ohio. You might be asking yourself, Jose, what does the Charman want? Why is he still there? It seems that he wants more skin, more human skin. Skin maybe to replace his own, perhaps? The Charman most frequently lurks around the very rural creek road. There's a campground in the area known as Camp Comfort, which has gained something of a reputation for its hauntings. The Charman has been known to stalk the camp at night, not quite brave to enter the tents, but certainly brave enough to go after an unsuspecting party of hikers, though. He picks his targets carefully. He stays away from large groups and moving cars. He's not shy about approaching if he thinks he can take you. It is said that if you drive out after dark, stop on the side of the road, turn off the car and the lights, the charman will leap right onto the car, pounding and scratching, trying to get into your car. So, you know what we're going to do, Jose? What? For our listeners, I have this bright idea. I'm going to send you to drive to this area and turn off your car. And the whole time we're going to be recording this so that our listeners can hear it next week. And then, like, see what happens. Let's see if you encounter this char man. And I think our listeners would love it. You guys, if you guys, you guys, you guys, if you would love to have Jose drive over here and see what happens to him, DM us 
email us, go into our website, click on contact us, send us an email. Like I said, you can also DM us. And I would love to hear from all of our listeners to see who wants Jose to drive over here. And let's test this theory out. Let's see what happens to him. He will go by himself. We'll, I'll stay here. I'll record. We'll have him on speaker and let's see what happens. He can tell us all about it as it's happening. And for our listeners that don't want Jose to go out there because, oh, poor Jose, we don't want to hear from you. But everybody else, please send us an email. Okay, there's like a <laughs> lot of things going on right now. There's, uh, you know, the COVID, a.k.a. the coronavirus. You're staying in your car, though. There I is, it was um, perfect. The fires all over California mm-hmm. going on right now. Mm-hmm. I know I thought it was Let's just see what happens. If I go, I'm going during daytime. That's it. Nope. Nope. Not at night. Did you not hear the story? It has to be in the dark after dusk. It's cloudy. There's smoke up in the air. It'll be kind of dark. Why? You have to go at night. Listen, I'll leave it up to our listeners. If they DM us or send us emails and they want you to go, you go at night. Okay. You guys, please. Let's send Jose out there. Jose, will you be taking your ID? No, we've taught no. I don't you want nothing. a thing to burn. No thanks. <laughs> oh my god, we've taught you nothing. Okay, so clearly, since I've taught you nothing, I'm going to show you the movie. So after there's a movie this, to this, yes, there's uh, there's like a little indie movie called Charman, and I don't recommend to our listeners that they watch it if they get motion sickness because. It like is, Blair Witch Project or something? Yeah, it is kind of a very like Blair Witch Project feel to it. And it's between Blair Witch Project and Paranormal Activity. Oh, okay. So it's so, supposedly three guys that went out to investigate this legend. Well, it originally started with a different legend and then they came across this one and then stuff started. So they're like kind of recording each other and there is a lot of movement, a lot of shaking and stuff. So, but... Since I love scaring you, you will be watching that movie tonight. Oh. Okay, I'm down. So have fun. I'm going during the day. No. If you want to look at pictures and want more information on the cases we cover, you can head over to truecrimeweeklypodcast.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at Podcast True Crime Weekly. Please also don't forget to support the show at truecrimeweeklypodcast.com forward slash support the show. And I would truly love it and appreciate it if you would leave a five-star review and subscribe onto Apple Podcast. The only way that people find out about us is through subscribers and reviews. Thanks for listening.